Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast, powered by Brain Fuel. Here with Rishi Lal, the Director of Corporate Partnerships with the CHL, Canadian Hockey League. Really excited to talk about um, a little bit of, you know, contributors versus leaders versus managers, kind of how you switch your mindset as you're progressing through your career, different roles, different organizations. Um, Rishi will has a ton of knowledge to expand upon this and, and really excited to talk to him. So welcome. Awesome. Uh, Jake, thank you. I didn't eat breakfast today because I wanted to, to come to this podcast hungry. So uh, I, I'm, I'm here for you and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. It's not often I get to uh, uh, sit down with uh, an author who's been published. Uh, were you 19 or, or 20 when, when you were uh, a published author? 20. I was 22, I think. And then and then 27 was the second book here. So, I mean, we're, yeah, yeah. Young. I, I, I'm in the presence of greatness here, so uh, hopefully I can keep up uh, keep up with you. Well, for full transparency, this is an afternoon or this is a late afternoon, early evening recording. So Rishi is very hungry. Um, yes, very, very hungry. <laughs> when you think about uh, your career, Rishi, and 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 I have to mention, um, go Bobcats! You are an Ohio U grad, and yes, and yes. you know your kind of journey um, from Athens and and. You know, we'll talk about multiple stops that you've had, but but the kind of mindset that you've had to have going from you know a contributor to ultimately a leader in a position of where you are now. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, thank you for that. I mean, I I started out out of grad school uh, from uh, I had a journalism background, and so I was pretty confident in that field. I went to Ohio, um, was fortunate enough to get in, and wanted to go into NFL PR. And that was my goal. And I sat down with our executive director. I think we both know uh, Jim Kaler. And uh, uh, we sat down and he's like, you're not a PR guy, you're a sponsorship guy. I'm like, Jim, I don't even know what sponsorship is. Um, I, he's like, give me three months and we'll figure it out. And so after three months, I uh, um, slunk back into that same chair in the office. Uh, and, and he basically, and, and I said, you're right. I love sponsorship. Uh, and then from that point on, I just I completely fell in love with it. And so I went, uh, um, did my graduate assistantship with uh, CBS Collegiate Sports Properties. So I went to the University of Virginia. Um, I got a job there after school in their, uh, um, their, uh, their sales and, uh, and, and sports marketing department. Um, and look, I, I was the newest guy there. I made $32,000 right out of school. My wife was looking at me like I was crazy. She's like, how am I making more money than you after grad school? And I'm like, well, Look at this face A uh, and B, uh, trust me, uh, Sam Hankey, trust the process. Uh, and so uh, I gave up a pretty good job uh, working at TSN, but wanted to follow my patent and, and, and wanted to, to build a new skill set and flex some new muscles. And so went to, to UVA and was the lowest man on the totem pole and uh, was working on really regional deals. Um, so my mindset was just more of, like you said, a contributor. Uh, I wasn't just happy to be there, but I was trying to make my mark 
um, uh, and what I was doing. And, and like like uh, every good leader says, I mean, do the job you're um, uh, supposed to do exceptionally well. Uh, and I uh, I tried to do that when I was there and and had uh, uh, some some good success. Uh, but but working there, um, I just realized I needed to build out my not only leadership skill set but my sales skill set because look. I came from a journalism background, so I had no idea what the heck I was doing in sales and, and sponsorship. And so I had to figure it out on my own and, and do a lot of reading and self-development and personal development, um, skin my knees a little bit, and then I uh, get back up and, and hopefully that skin was a little bit tougher. And, and, and uh, so I, I flipped it and went to the agency world. Uh, and Yeah, and but Rishi, Rishi, one of the things I want to point out real quick, though, is that you talk about skill sets if you're in sales, you don't realize what the art of writing can do for you. So yes, you had a journalism background, but your ability to reach out in probably a, a way that was a little bit more professional and or um, just well-written, right? Probably got you certain meetings that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Am I, am I on to something yeah. there? You are right. I mean, at UVA, it wasn't as as prevalent, but uh, I won't lie to you to say that I have had uh, responses back uh, couched in a no, uh, telling me that uh, it, it's some of the most impressive uh, research, along with writing that they've seen in an email uh, from from partners. Uh, I still got a no, but uh, uh, at least when you hear that feedback, it makes you think, okay, you're you're on the right track. Uh, and then look, you follow that up with with a phone call if you don't hear anything. Uh, and, and if you can string a couple sentences together and, and if you can write well, um, that, that's, it is so important. And you're right. I mean, uh, writing is a lost art now. I mean, uh, look, look at the, the former president uh, and how many, how many characters and tweets. I feel like that's uh, their, our, uh, our, our mindset right now. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I feel like as you start um, getting further along in your industry, um, your writing has to be much more concise and it has to be, um, not only concise, but it has to be um, kind of decipherable uh, in a very short amount of time. And so uh, as, as you go up in your career, the, the higher up you go, um, the higher up um, uh, uh, the leaders are going to see you writing. And so they're so busy, they barely have time to look at anything and done research. I think they say that uh, senior executives, if you send them an email, you have about four seconds or six seconds for them to, to skim, skim through. And that's the first line of your email. And so you don't want to be salesy and you don't want to be um, kind of manipulative. But uh, uh, once that's in your mind, you got to make sure that uh, um, all your writing is top line, but very concise and professional. And, and I've had some people send me emails from uh, junior execs uh, reaching out to them. And uh, uh, it, it wouldn't be um, so laughable if it wasn't sad at some of the, uh, the, the level of writing that that is in our industry. So how do you know whether you're good or not at writing? And, and, and if you don't have a journalism degree like you do, how do you go about getting help in that area and, and you know, improving that skill? Because it is important. As much as the public speaking, the presenting, the ability to connect with people, the ability to you know, network, build relationships, like to your point, writing a handwritten note and you know, writing an email that's concise and to the point that actually gets you the meeting is just as important. You're right. And a lot of times now, I mean, back in the, 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 the good old days, um, their first interaction was over the phone. So you had to be really polished over the phone. But now 
the first interaction, I would say 95%, no one picks up the phone anymore. And so 95% uh, of that initial outreach is via uh, email um, and, and through writing. So you're, you're judged right away on, on your writing. Um, and so uh, in terms of how you, how you learn, I mean, you just got to get the reps in and then um, follow uh, somebody you respect um, online and, and, and ask for help. I mean, the HR department is usually really good at writing. Um, there's, there's certain tools you can, you can go online. Um, but I just followed people that I respected, um, not only in the journalism world, but in the business world. I mean, everyone says read um, fiction to help with your writing, but I don't have the attention span to read uh, kind of fantasy. I love like self-help books and biographies. Uh, and I feel like some of those biographies can really set a stage by really, really good writers. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier before I cut you off, um, you know, you're, yeah, you're kind on, of- Jake, it's a podcast. No cutting hey, off, you're supposed to let me speak. Hey, you know, the the uh, the agency world is where you went next. So I'll, I'll help you pick up, you know, back where you left left it. But the agency world and then, you know, making that, that transition into where you are now. Yeah, and so uh, uh, before I was really interrupted, uh, thanks, Jake. Um, they, uh, uh, I knew I needed to, to, to get better at the strategy. Uh, and if I wanted to close big deals um, and, and, and start building my leadership uh, constitution, I needed um, to, to, to be um, mentored by some of the best folks. And, and I was fortunate enough to work at a company called SD Sponsorship Group, which had some of the top brands in Canada at that time. And Scotiabank was, was one of them um, uh, that, that closed that $40 million a year naming rights that. Uh, um, in Toronto for that building. Um, I got to work a lot on, on their portfolio, um, Canadian Tire, which is a monster retailer here. So, and, and, and they spend um, multi, multi in the tens of millions of dollars in sponsorship. And uh, um, um, some of those um, uh, accounts got to negotiate, got to speak with people I'd known speaking to uh, in the C-suite, got to do stakeholder interviews, as we did a full portfolio audit with Scotiabank and, and, and got to, to go up to the 50th and 60th floor of glass walled buildings overlooking the city uh, and we're with uh, some executives, seasons executives who had, had great opinions on marketing and sponsorship. Uh, I would have never got that, that chance at that, that young an age. Uh, again, got to work on not just sports properties, but arts and culture, um, got to work on brand new sponsorship strategies. Uh, there's a, a, a bank that was a direct bank um, that was going through a transition. Um, and uh, they, they came up, they had a new name. We came up with their sponsorship strategy from scratch. Um, our, not me, but our team did. I, I played a small part in it, but I got to, 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 to see how that works and see the process around that. And all these things, again, I would never want to relive those three years again in my life. I absolutely did not enjoy uh, any, any, any part of that, because it was, uh, out of my comfort zone. Like I was a sales guy to come up with hard strategies, uh, and, and, and coming up with, um, different ideas, um, for brands and presenting them to the C-suite. I mean, I was out of my comfort zone. I look back on it now. I mean, what a ride I got to go on. I mean, that was, it was amazing. I mean, I don't wish those three years on anybody because I, with butterflies in my stomach, I'm like, man, what's going to be next. But I learned I mean, it helped me um, uh, close the largest deal sponsor in, in, in CHL history directly because of my time at the agency. 
because of all of those skills and those those reps I got there. And so I'd recommend for any any of you uh, young listeners out there, um, if 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 you're currently unattached and don't have kids and you're in your 20s, I mean, agency world is the best place to start because you're going to get ground down, but it's a master um, in every skill um, you're going to need to really be successful in this world. Just make sure you find that right agency uh, and that right culture fit. Um, and, and it's going to, going to supercharge your career. I mean, and then, and then from, from there, um, I, uh, again, was fortunate enough to go to the CHL. And so I knew, I felt like I, I got enough to be dangerous on the strategy side. I knew the language, uh, I knew how to speak to the, the senior level executives. Uh, and then uh, again, I saw a lot of things I liked in certain leaders and I saw a lot of things that uh, I, I wouldn't want to replicate. Uh, and so uh, I, I had a notepad that I was writing kind of my own, my own leadership constitution out um, and, and, and what I really appreciated and, and, and what I thought uh, were areas of opportunity for, for other folks that I would um, kind of in turn uh, do when I was leading people. Um, and I, I went to the CHL and uh, it was um, um, a, a full sales role. And I mean, the great part of that was, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're a bit of a small shop. We've got five, five, uh, five of us across the country, um, but we get to do everything from prospecting um, to ideation, to pitching, um, to relationship management uh, and renewals. And, and we do all that and you flex different skills at different times. And there's a lot of deals in different spots. Um, and then we have a staff of uh, um, uh, probably 15 or 20 to see each other we interact with. And I thought there was, uh, I, I don't know if you know Scott O'Neill um, from uh, Philadelphia 76ers. He's got a new book out. Uh, and uh, I've been, been listening to a few of his podcasts and um, could not have more respect for, I think, anybody in this industry than, than him. And I've never met him. I just, uh, uh, he talked about his time at the NBA where he was going 100 miles an hour um, and um, had a deal that that uh, that he put together fell not fall through, but just wasn't as successful as he hoped. And uh, at that time, HR from the NBA called him and uh, for a six month check in and asked him how he was doing. And he's like, "This place sucks, and I, nothing in here is working. You guys don't want to do big things. Your ideas aren't great." And uh, the HR guy leaned back in his chair and was like, "So the NBA sucks, Scott? Okay." And he's like, so what are you doing? Tell me about the deal. And he's like, well, do you know anybody in marketing? Do you know anybody in the Secaucus office? He's like, do you know anybody in HR? He's like, no. He's like, I didn't even know we had an office in Secaucus. He's like, you haven't figured this place out yet, have you, Scott? He's like, no. And he's like, what do you mean? And so he's talking about being a matrix. He's like, you got to get to know everybody in the office and figure out what, who they are. Don't ask them um, for anything. Just get to know them. And it called him up and said, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but the job's yours. And he's like, because I learned that lesson, learning to be a leader and 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 pull everybody together, uh, and realize that um, it's so important. It's not just me who's out there working on an island. You got to work with everybody. Uh, and so, just listen to that. I mean, it just clarified a whole bunch of different things for me um, in, in terms of things I was already kind of doing. But I mean, I don't know if you, if, if you're the same way, but with me. It's nice to have a bit of, you want to trail your trailblaze your own path, but it's nice when you have um, a few positive inputs and you have um, people 
um, uh, other leaders who've gone through some similar things to uh, putting myself in this category, but have gone through uh, some things that you've gone through um, to, uh, to show you the way. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier about kind of keeping notes as you go. And, you know, you don't just pop up out of bed one day and have your guide to leadership or how you're going to run a department or, or anything like that. As you mentioned, it's taking things and same thing kind of, you know, as a student athlete, if you go into coaching at any point, you kind of take the things that you like and dislike and, and would do or wouldn't do from the coaches that you play for. And it's the same thing if you were going to go into teaching and you do the same thing with the teachers that you've had in high school and college and so on. And same thing with your bosses, right, in terms of your leaders and so on. So I think there's a lot of parallels there, to, no matter where you're coming from or what you're doing. But to your point earlier, you kind of were keeping track along the way, knowing that at one point you wanted to get there but you'd be able to reflect on some things and kind of build it along the way. When you think about what that's been able to do for you, what do you suggest for others as they, as they are maybe that sales guy or that sales saleswoman, you know, and they want to get into leadership and they're kind of just going about their role, but know that that's something, you know, down the road that they want to get into. Great. Uh, it's a good, good question. I mean, I heard a great quote, um, there's no shortcut uh, to the top, only to the middle, um, and and it's such a, it's such a, a brilliant idea. And I was I was listening to a, a performance coach uh, on a podcast, and um, he, he someone asked him the question. They go, "What makes what's the difference between an average uh, performer and an elite level performer?" And he's like, "They understand they got to put the work in, and they understand that you can't go from crawling to running." He goes, you just can't do that. Everybody wants life hacks. Everybody wants a way to, to, to bypass everybody else to get there. But what the most successful people learn um, is, and the most successful athletes is you just got to put in the work. And I mean, I'm holding up a book uh, that, that, that uh, uh, I just bought, Atomic Habits. And they say, you've got to build habits and you've got to constantly build your own process and get increment, incrementally better every single day. That's what makes champions. And that's what makes um, the most successful people in the world, the most successful people in the world. You may luck into something every once in a while, uh, but uh, end of the day, the most successful people have the most successful habits. So it's not a sexy answer, but um, that to me is, 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 is the only way to do it. And I'm by no means perfect, but if you have your own processes, I mean, I have a book too, in terms of, I have a book of quotes uh, that I've come across uh, in my life. Um, I've got a book uh, of processes that I'm just putting in together, sales, leadership, um, uh, anything that, that comes into mind. I just have those things that I can reflect on. And, 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 and I started that about nine months ago. Uh, I wish I would have started it nine years ago. Um, my the, the leadership book I've had for, for, for a long time, because that's something of importance to me, but um, all these are, but, but, I'm just starting to come around to all these different um, things that I want to have a book to uh, to look at and, and reflect upon because everybody gets stuck. And and the way to get unstuck in my mind is just to learn and, and, and constantly dig your head into doing some personal development and, and, and looking back at your own thoughts. Yeah. I mean, from a being stuck standpoint, right. There's always, there's multiple ways out. Um, you know, if, if you think about a movie, right. And they're stuck down in the cave, like, yeah, they eventually get out because that's how movies work. But 
uh, there's definitely multiple ways you can go. Some may or may not work, right? Depending on, on which way you head. Um, but from the perspective of creating a habit, right? You mentioned you just started nine months ago. You know, that's something new, right? And, and, but continuing it to be able to say five years from now, hey, I started this five years ago, right? And this is the impact it's had on me. What do you have to do? What's your mindset going into that to, to, to be able to get to that point? That's a good question. I mean, habits go the other way. I mean, I, I don't smoke, but if you're a smoker and you start picking think that, that, that habit up and, and you like to, to like to have a beverage or two, uh, but, but obviously moderation, but there are some people who, who can, I mean, and it's not willpower. It's just, again, got to put in the work like successful people do thing, do things successful, unsuccessful people don't want to do. And so whether it be finance, whether it be writing that extra email, whether it be um, doing that extra rep, running that extra lap, like just doing that, not thinking about it, but just doing it. I think Muhammad Ali said, look, he goes, I don't count. Um, the only time I start counting my reps is when I'm starting to hurt. And, and when that pain's in, that's when I start counting the reps because that's going to be the difference between winning and losing and between me um, uh, uh, beating my opponent. That's such a brilliant way to put it. And how many people would do that, right? You start counting the reps after you're, you're, you're exhausted, after you're tired. I mean, in, in our world, we're not getting beat up, but um, kind of you got to build that, um, that, that mental muscle and, 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 and constantly do it. And there's no other way to, 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 to put it except just do it. Just got to put in the time. And it's hard, man. It is hard. You got kids screaming. You have your partner wanting to do things. You have your friends wanting to do things. And you just want, you want to be good at all of them. But uh, uh, unfortunately, life's a bunch of, about priorities. And so you have to have your top two, three priorities. And, and then uh, hopefully everyone else, um, the things that fall off, everybody understands that um, because what your focus is, right? And, and I'd imagine um, work uh, would be uh, um, at the top of most people's priority lists and, and whatever else shakes out of that um, is, is, is the personal choice. Yeah, it's a good segue into our into our brain fuel segment. Um, you know, you're talking about the, the extra mental reps, right? The ability to focus, um, the ability to ultimately get more out of yourself, right? And, and kind of reach your fullest potential every single day, which, you know, mentally preparing for each day is just a hurdle on its own, right? And, and being ready for what's going to come at you, because we don't know what's going to come at you. Obviously, you got meetings on your calendars and you know, and that sort of thing, but you don't know what emails are coming in your inbox and so on. You know, when you think about the, the process in terms of um, mentally preparing for your day, what does that look like, you know, on your end? Uh, in, in terms of uh, preparing for the day? Yeah, what, is, what, is that, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of times, uh, again, about getting in, 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 in that, um, those mental reps at the end of the day, just make a priority of your, your, your top five things, um, that you need to do, uh, for the next day. And, uh, uh, I think it was, I can't remember. Someone said something, uh, that they had an executive coach, but they're like, focus on the spend 60% of your time doing the three most important tasks, uh, of that, that are going to cause you success. And so if you do that, and then you look at your calendar uh, at the end of the week, 
and, and, and look at your calendar. I think again, it was Scott O'Neill who said that. He's like, look at your calendar and what are the most important things uh, that are attributable to your success or that you're gonna be judged on? And then did you spend 60% of your time at the end of that week doing it? If you didn't, then you gotta change what's most important or you gotta change your calendar. One of those, one of those two things you gotta change. Uh, and, and I thought that was a really good way to audit um, and keep yourself honest um, because uh, it is, you can get bogged down on calling uh, your, your current partners, just checking in how they doing. Um, and, and you can do the busy work that we all uh, want to do. But I mean, the hard work, um, again, that's what separates good from great is, is starting your day with some of that hard stuff uh, and then looking what's most important for your success and, and, and spend the bulk of your time doing that. Obviously, you need to do other things um, uh, for your success, but um, I think that's a good rule of thumb is, is spend 60% of your time on the three things that are going to be most um, important to your success. Sales is all about the pipeline. So how are you keeping the pipeline productive? How are you staying focused on the pipeline, making sure it's full? And ultimately, you know, there's, there's a lot of touch points to be had with, with everyone you're reaching out to. Um, how do you stay locked in on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always uh, staying on top of, of what's next. I mean, the, the, the folks that got in front, I mean, the crypto category is uh, um, going bonkers right now. But the people who were three months uh, ahead of everybody um, because of they could see this coming, uh, blockchain, crypto, all that stuff, that, that's an emerging category in Canada. They just uh, are about to pass um, uh, single game betting that hasn't been uh, um, uh, a, a part of our, our ecosystem here across the country. Um, it's being close to past. And so uh, folks who, who saw that on the horizon and reached out early um, were, were uh, um, a, a bit of... Uh, uh, ahead of all of us. And so they were able to A, do some really unique deals um, and, and, and B, get mind sharing and, and, and uh, um, share a voice from, from, uh, from some of these betting partners. I mean, just constantly looking at what's next, what's new um, and looking at different ways to attack some of these, these partners. I mean, you can do the spray and play mode, um, which, which, is, which is fine. Um, not, not my cup of tea, uh, but it works for some people. I mean, I feel like if you can be a bit of a sniper and you can um, uh, choose brands that you think you're a perfect fit for, you're going to get no's, but you're also going to get a lot of yeses and a lot of, oh, let, let's talk tomorrow. Let's, 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 let's figure this out. And those deals tend to be the more sizable ones because they're an authentic fit. You've taken time to qualify them. You've taken time to, to, to come up with a few ideas. Um, and then it's up to them uh, to, uh, as a, a good friend of mine said, let God walk on them. Let, let the brand take that next 30% to really make this partnership an authentic partnership and not just something we're coming to them with. And so that secret sauce to the most, the, the, most of the great deals I've worked on is that collaboration with the brand. It's not just us bringing them an idea, it's them making it their own and, and, and making it really a perfect fit for them. And those are the deals that look, sell you a sign you'll be with me for for a year i mean if you want a partnership and i can uh, hit some of your objectives and 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 um hit your uh, your business metrics you'll be with me forever and so which one do you want to which one do you want to be and a lot of times it's our job to educate the the, the partners uh because they want that flashy sign but uh the best deals i think i've seen i've worked on are the ones where the brands are engaged uh and it's more than just spots and dots no, it's, it's such great insights. And I think as you, as you're, 
thinking about the leadership side of things, you know, and, and switching the mindset, we kind of talked about it very early is what's the mindset that you have to have as a leader versus the mindset you have to have as a contributor? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer, or the easiest answer would be, uh, again, it's just not you. You're not focused on you. You're focused on the well-being of, of your teammates. And I mean, be, um, I think it was a quote by a, a U.S. congresswoman. Um, she said, be interested, not interesting. And it was such a brilliant idea. I don't want to my own. I'd like to think I'm both. And I like to think you're both. But uh, if you're interested in people, um, and you genuinely care about their well-being and you can put your ego aside and you're working to build your team out and um, work on their successes and really mentor them to be the next generation of leaders, uh, obviously while doing your job. Um, but if you put hire good people, put good, good processes in place, build a great culture um, and then get out of their way. I mean, that's some of the, those are some of the best organizations around. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. Um, unless you show me you need to be micromanaged. Um, and I hopefully I, you don't need to be because hopefully I've hired you uh, and hired the right people. Um, and, and so a lot of it is just getting out of your own way as a leader and, 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 and trying to push away your ego and just let talented people go to work. And that's the hardest part, right, is, is, is getting out of your own way, especially new leaders. And, and no, by no means am I perfect, but like it's, it's, um, it is really... Um, hard, um, especially when you're coming, you're setting the vision and the direction for your department um, or your club or clubs. Um, you've, you're so passionate about it, but then you got to let them go to work um, because if they do, they'll follow you anywhere. Um, and if they genuinely think you care about them, not just about work, about their life, and it's got to be genuine. You have to have an interest in people. People will run through a wall for you. And those are the people that I want to run through a wall for. So uh, those are the try, try, leaders I try to model my, my, my style off of. No, that's great. I, I think that point you made about ultimately not wanting to control everything, right? And, and you know, just because you, it's your first leadership role or, or you've got, you know, uh, kind of the, the ability to put your stamp on it doesn't mean that, you know, you can control everything. It's just, hey, what, where do I put the right pieces of the puzzle together to let the puzzle just connect and, and run on its own. Um, similar to that collaboration, you know, component to the partnership. I think it all kind of blends and meshes together. Rishi, I, I can't thank you enough for your perspectives and time and thoughts. Last, last thing for you as we go, if there is a Bobcat, you'd want to have the brain of, uh, for one day, who would it be? Wow. Uh, and are you taken? Um, oh yeah. Uh, that I'm not concerned. I am not in that ballpark. Trust me, man. I, it's a great question. I would have to say, um, someone who, uh, I really respect and someone who, um, uh, might be one of the, the, the friendliest, most decent guys around, uh, and one of the more creative guys around is, uh, Brian Gaynor. I love, uh, uh picking his brain. Um, and, some of the, the um, stuff that his, his team at Forefront, along with that, obviously Dan Magala and their team are doing and have done, to me just screams authentic partnerships. Uh, and those are the types of things I love. Uh, and a uh, great guy to have a beer with and just a decent, decent human being um, and, and uh, uh, someone uh, um, who, uh, who, whenever I call, is always there. So uh, um, I, uh, I really uh, value uh, his friendship. 
Well, I know Brian's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, and I'm sure he'll listen to that one and, and uh, be shooting you a text or me a text. But I, I appreciate um, your, your perspectives on things uh, across the border. I will say, uh, process, I learned from Normal Riley. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever heard <laughs> that. You know, I've nice. been process, process, right? But it's process. Yeah. Uh, so, oh. well, believe me, I was uh, mercilessly and savagely. Uh, 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 mentally beaten down by my classmates for uh, about uh, where it sounds a boot for, for you guys. Process, process, tomato, tomato. I mean, there, there's so many um, uh, savage takedowns we could have as Canadians to Americans, but as Canadians, we are very polite, uh, respectful, uh, that, that we won't, won't engage uh, unless, uh, uh, unless there's a cocktail or two uh, uh, that have been uh, imbibed. Uh, um, I'll leave it at that. There you go. There you go. Rishi, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next awesome. time. Sounds good, Jake. All the best. You take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com. With the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like Brain Fuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review.